Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, welcome back to Vertical Momentum. I'm your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, you're going to make sure you want to subscribe to this channel and make sure you hit that notification bell because this episode may save your life or may save one of your children's lives. My brother Justin's coming on. We're going to be talking about mental health. We're going to be talking about depression, um, resiliency. We're going to be talking about living your best life ever, getting stronger. Um, He's also a mental health advocate, coach, international inspirational speaker. He is the Swiss Army knife of positive mental attitude. Justin, brother, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, man. Uh, thank you for uh, inviting me to be on your platform. It's, it's really great to be here and finally getting to connect with you. I know we can, tried to connect a lot earlier, but you know, life happens. And I'm very grateful to be here and um, to share a little bit of my story and just have a great conversation. I love it. So, Justin, you know, before we get started, I got a traumatic brain injury. So if I don't ask the question, I forget. What is your definition of resiliency? Oh, man, that, that's a good question. And me and my buddy were talking about resiliency the other day. And, you know, I, I'm like, you know what, man? Like, my life is built on resiliency. It's built on, you know, sometimes being an underdog and overcoming, you know, that underdog mentality. Sometimes, you know, getting circumstances and experiences in my life that you know you can't really prepare for but pushing past them so i guess my definition of uh, resiliency is the ability to move past you know those things that you can't control right uh the the un the the circumstances and experience that come up in your life that you have no control over, but you, you know, you keep that. It doesn't even have to have the courage or strength, but you keep that will to not give up and then keep going because, you know, those those um, circumstances are going to come up. All right. So now if somebody would see Justin now, you know, he's got a great life, great woman in his life, beautiful children. He's healthy. He's happy. He's smiling. but you know, it hasn't been all unicorns and rainbows. So give us a quick down and dirty about who you are and how you became the man you are today. Uh, well, my name is Justin Bryan. I'm a mental health advocate and inspirational speaker and a professional executive coach. But like I like to tell people in my keynote speech, to be able to put those titles in front of my name, I actually had a battle with uh, drugs for 10 years, alcohol for 16 years. And I struggled with my mental health ever since I was a little kid. You know, growing up, I had very low self-esteem, low self-worth, low self-confidence. And, you know, I took those insecurities with me throughout my life. And what I did with them is, you know, I always tried to try to be the funny man. You know, I always tried to get people to laugh at, at my jokes because that was my, my need for significance, right? Um, I always wanted to be noticed and liked by everyone because it's, truth be fact is that I didn't like myself, you know, um, I wanted to be everybody else but me. And what I did with those insecurities was is that I grabbed that low self-esteem, low self-worth and 
little self-confidence and I opened up a bag and I put them in there and I put it on my back and I carried it with me through, through elementary, through junior high, through high school. And when I got out of high school, um, when that bag started to get heavy, I, uh, I opened that bag up, but I didn't unpack it. What I did was I put, you know, anger, depression, suicidality, drugs and alcohol in that bag. And then I zipped it back up and put it on my back. Now I moved away to play junior hockey at around 18 years old. And, you know, that's when my drinking really started to progress. And I remember just sitting downstairs one time in the billet house and I'm like, man, I really, I really want a beer. Like I just had a couple and I'm like, I want one more. And I realized that was looking back on it. Now that was my first ever like craving for it. Cause I didn't drink much in high school, but when I drank, I loved who it made me become. You know, uh, it gave me self-worth. It gave me self-confidence. It gave me, you know, self-esteem. But what I didn't realize is that everything it was giving me was fake. But everything it started to take from me was very real. Um, by the time I was 21 years old, I was pretty much a full-blown alcoholic. And, you know, by the time I was 24 years old, I was bartending downtown Vancouver in British Columbia, Canada. And um, I was a really good bartender. Like, I could get in get out within 15, 20 minutes, have my cash out done, everything complete. Um, but I could do it that fast because I needed to get out to for power, half hour, power hour, whatever you want to call it to the nightclub. So I could drink as much as I could. And then I'd walk home and phone up, dial up a bottle and have more alcohol waiting for me when I got home. Now I graduated that year, let's say uh, 24 from not only alcohol abuse, but to drug abuse, you know, I went out at 24 and did cocaine for the very first time. And I phoned my buddy and I didn't know what happened because I drank too much that night and I blacked out. And I said, Hey man, what happened? He's like, well, you did drugs. I'm like, Holy cow. He's like, but then he said something like this is probably the worst thing you could ever say to a person with my mindset. And he was like, man, you were funny last night. Right then and there it clicked. Holy cow. I have, uh, Alcohol for confidence. I have drugs to be funny. I got Michael's special juice from Space Jam. <laughs> one shot of this, one shot of that, and then I'm Super Justin. I can tell you, I was the only one that thought I was Super Justin. One night I left work, and uh, on my way home, I'm crossing the bridge, and uh, I had this question that came over me, and it says, Justin, do you think you drink too much? And I was like, no way. I'm young. I'm a bartender. I live in this big, beautiful city. There's no way I drink too much. So I took a couple more steps and a couple more steps and uh, asked myself again, Justin, are you an alcoholic? Well, all of a sudden I got a warm feeling come up through my body and I said this word for word. I said, no, nah, there's no way you're an alcoholic. You know, you go to work, you pay your bills, you're, you're too smart and you're not a low life. And that's why I was correlating, you know, alcohol or yeah, being an alcoholic with. Well, six months later, I moved back home to Salmon Arm and I'm managing a nightclub and, you know, I get a ride home from one of my buddies and the topic of depression comes up and uh, to where I looked at him and said, depression, oh man, depression's for the weak. Depression is an excuse. You got to man up, you got to go to work and you got to pay your bills. Now, I don't know why I said it back then, but I definitely know why I said it now. And it's because I always felt less than. And I, I wanted to show everybody, you know, that I was stronger on the outside than the one I was feeling on the inside. But 24 years old, I have two major problems. 
alcoholism, substance abuse, and depression, right? My mental health. But at 24 years old, I'm ignoring two major problems, my substance abuse and my mental health. So that went on for, you know, I knew at 24, I knew deep down. And, you know, I think we are more people are aware, more aware of their surroundings and their situation than we give credit for. I knew, but I didn't want to admit it because once I admitted it, well, then I'd have to do something about it. But if I don't admit it, you know, then my coping mechanism doesn't go away and I can continue the life that I did. But the, by continuing the life that I was doing, I was losing friends. I was losing jobs. I was moving around. I put myself in some, some scary situations to where lucky I'm to be here. But then finally at 28 years old, I'm like, Justin, man, you're depressed. Justin, you know, you, you abuse substances. Well, then, you know, what did I do next? Well, I had to, I'd accept it internally because it was negatively impacting my life and it was stealing everything around me. So I finally asked for help. And, you know, I asked for help a lot. I went to over hundred doctor's appointments. I spent 77 days in rehab, you know, 45 addiction appointments, 17 psychologists, 10 psychiatrists. I've tried eight different meds from antidepressants, anxiety, ADHD, because I was actually diagnosed at 28 when I asked for help with clinical depression or major depression, which is a sadness that persists for longer than two weeks. Social and general anxiety, which, you know, I would get nervous with those conversations. So I would have like, you know, half a Mickey slam it before I even left my house. And then ADHD, which made it very hard for me to be present in conversation. So then I would be, wouldn't be present. I'd forget what they said. All of a sudden the anxiety came up, the depression got triggered. Okay, well, let's start drinking. Let's, let's cure that with substance. But one of the biggest things is that uh, I found one why. So when I'm about 30 years old, I met this girl and we were dating on and off. And finally we broke up because my substance abuse was out of control. And uh, she came to me one day and she's like, Hey, Justin, we got to talk. And uh, she's like, I'm pregnant. I'm like, Holy cow. All right. And well, she's like, you have me two choices. She's like, um, I'm keeping the baby. You can either be in this life or just, you don't have to. Like, you have no obligations here if you don't want them. <laughs> like, there's no way. Didn't even think about it. I want to be in this kid's life. So we end up getting back together. And uh, not long after that, I end up drinking and driving and crashing a car. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I need to get this under control. I need to go to rehab. So I went to rehab for the first time. And I went to, to a place that had 60 other men. And I know I went to all my courses. There were my classes and my therapy sessions. But... You know, after 42 days, when I got out, um, the first thing I said to my my uncle who picked me up was, you know, I'm not done drinking forever. <laughs> well, great. You just spent 42 days away from your pregnant girlfriend who's due almost any week. And that's the first thing you said. Well, you can probably guess what happened. You know, I, one month later, we had my son. Two months later, I started hitting the bottle. Six months later, she had to make probably the toughest decision of her life and, you know, leave me at my lowest point. And I don't blame her. You know, I was there was no shape to have a kid around. Well, after that, you know, I started becoming. But during that time, I started thinking about suicide more and more and more. And then when she left, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And there was, I used to ask myself every single day, Justin, are you going to make it? You know, Justin, it'd be a lot easier with you, without you here. You know, you're such a burden on people. One time, my girlfriend or my ex, sorry, dropped my kid off in my house uh, because. I could actually only see him twice a week for four hours at a time. And I couldn't drive with him in my car per court order. 
because they didn't know if they could trust me to stay sober. So she dropped off my son and you know, my, my thoughts and my emotions and my feelings were, were going off the radar. Um, and when you ignore your mental health, you're not going to be able to regulate your emotions. Right? If you don't take the proper meds, if you don't stick to counseling, you know, I was doing counseling and meds, but every time I felt good, I would stop taking them. Like, I don't need you. I can do it alone. Right. I'm a man. I can do it alone. Up, right. So she drops him off. And that day I couldn't keep my thoughts together. And what does a two-year-old want to do when he sees his dad? Well, he wants to play with dad. Right. Um, but that day I couldn't. So I grabbed him and I picked him up. I took him to the store, got him some chips, some candy, and I took him back home and I put him in front of the TV so I could distract him. And as he was eating that chips and candy and watching a movie, I just I remember walking in behind him and staring at the back of his head, and I just started to cry. And I asked myself, Justin, are you gonna make it? Are you gonna make it to see him scores for school in hockey? In order to see teach him how to ride a bike, get married, or graduate? And the answer never really every single time was no. Like I couldn't picture myself in his future. And it's just, it's not like I wanted to die, but I thought I had to. You know, I thought it was the only way to end my pain, my suffering, that you know, that that pain that's invisible but weighs you down like one of those weighted blankets. And I thought that was the only answer. And I was very, very fortunate that, well, actually one time I ended up in the hospital for the third time with alcohol poisoning and my girlfriend, my ex brought down my son so I could see him. And I'll never forget the way he looked when he walked through that curtain, he walked through and he looked at me and he looked at his mom. He looked at me and he looked at his mom again. He's like, mommy, What's wrong with daddy? All right, then I clicked. You know, I need to end this so that he is a, a better father. You know, a father that he deserves. A father that's going to pick him up when he falls down or, you know, grab, teaches him the ways of life. Not a dad who's going to miss time with him because of using drugs and alcohol. No, but a, a father that's going to be there for him. But I was very fortunate to start listening to motivational speaking. And I was trying to work out. I was trying to do anything I could. Appointments, you know, listening to positive... Um, music, motivational speaking, um, exercise. And I started listening to guys like Eric Thomas, Trent Shelton, Inky Johnson, Les Brown. Now, I had no idea who these guys were before. No idea. I just, YouTube, you know, give me some music or some speaking. I definitely know who these guys are now. <laughs> but they all talked about finding your why. And, you know, so I started to think, Justin, what is your why? And I started to look at that little boy again. I started to reframe my thoughts. And I started to think, well, what if instead of ending it so you can have a better dad, why don't you be get better so you can become that dad? Like, I always knew I was a good person, right? I mean, made a lot of bad decisions, some decisions I can't take away. And, yes, I do have some I regret, but they're ones I can learn on. Um, but... I decided to make him my why, my anchor. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of people in your life that are going to say you have to do it for yourself. And I get that. But for me and some of the guys that I went to rehab with, they couldn't do it for themselves. Um, we didn't want to go to rehab. But we found a reason to go to rehab and get better. And so the thing about it is when you find a why and it's not yourself, it will always come back on you. Because I got better for him. I ended up getting better for me. All right, so I, I want to – hold on one second. I just want to – I want to thank our sponsors, and then, then I want to go into finding our why. Um, 
But I want to thank our sponsors. As you guys know, I was with GNC for over 30 years. I love pre-workouts, but they all tasted like ass. And they gave me great energy, but I would crash hard late. So I came out with my own coffee called Vertical Momentum Coffee, where 100% of the proceeds go to help veterans struggling with mental health issues and homelessness. And also, um, it's amazing. You can take it before you work out. You feel the energy. You start to get some mental clarity. And it's pure. It doesn't have anything else in it. So, And also, guys, if you like swag, we got came out with a brand new T-shirt. On the back, it says, today I decided not to become a statistic. So anything you buy from me, 100% of the proceeds go to help others. That's my why is because I had, I've been in the rooms AA and NA for 34 years, and I was taught to pay it forward. So now that's what I do. That's my why. So if you guys are interested in coffee, swag, or my new book that hit number one on Amazon, Write that down below, and I'll get that information to you. So, you know, Justin, you know, talk to us, because my old podcast that I first started doing was, it was called Success. Your why powers your how. So talk to us about how you had to figure out your why. Did you, did you start journaling? Did you start writing stuff down like I do? Well, for me, finding my why was, was either I found my why, or I was going to take my life. And I started to picture my son growing up without his biological father and being made fun of at school. Like kids coming up being like, Oh, your dad didn't love you enough. And uh, I knew that he was one of the only things that, you know, when they, when my girlfriend left, you know, his toys were in my house and, you know, I can only see him eight hours a week and, you know, looking over at his toy corner and, you know, not hearing his laugh and knowing how much that I loved that laugh. And the way he looked at me was, I need to do this for him. And like I said, it's, it's pretty, if you can't find your why, or if you can't do it for yourself, you got to do it for, you got to do it for somebody else because it always comes back on you. And the thing is, is that everybody has a why. 100% that why is you, but if you can't make it you, you got to find it, grab a hold of it and take it with you everywhere. So I just had to keep looking and reframing my thoughts for that little boy. And because I did that, I could get better for me and get uh, get better for and help other people as well. All right. So now, uh, you know, like I said, I was in AA for 34 years now and I was taught that, you know, you have to stay away from people, places and things when you want to get sober or clean or dry, whatever you want to call it. But also you take you with you. So wherever you go, you're taking you with you. And really in real life, there is nobody coming to save you. It's all an inside job. That's why it's called alcoholism. I, self, and me. So for me, I had to change the people, places, and things. And I had to change my habits. And I, you know, one of my friends, James Clear, wrote an amazing book called Atomic Habits. And he talks about how you have to change your habits in order to change your life. So how did you go about reimagining and reinventing Justin's life? Well, you know what? That's, I like that. Um, I didn't have that 
really as a choice. I'm from a small town of about 18,000 people. And, you know, I managed the nightclub. I worked at the only sports store. I worked at the mill. I know a lot of people in this town. The only person that had to change was me. Uh, my friends, for fortunate, they didn't like me drinking. Right? They, uh, but I was a very active guy. And when, <laughs> like how you say, you got to change. Because when we were in rehab, our instructors, they're like, or counselors, they're like, the world ain't changing. They, the world ain't going to be like, oh, Justin's an alcoholic. Let's prepare for him to come out. They're like, no, you prepare yourself for the world because the world's not going to change. And because I'm an athletic guy, you know, at hockey, there's alcohol. At um, golfing, alcohol, baseball, alcohol, alcohol on TV and movies, on commercials. At, you know, the biggest um, sponsors like uh, Budweiser for football. Like Alcohol is going to be everywhere. So how do I prepare for it? Because it ain't changing. It ain't leaving. And that was, you know, learning my coping mechanisms. Because if I was, I had really good friends. And I was the black sheep. I was basically, I drank a I usually drank alone. I didn't really, I used to have back when I was younger, I could find someone to always drink with. But when I moved back home to Salmon Arm and lived in a small city, I only drank by myself in my room alone. I did drugs by myself because my friends weren't like me. I was the black sheep. So I didn't really have to change my friends. Um, but I had to change the way I looked at life and the way I coped with life and its circumstances. And what I did is I used drugs and alcohol for a coping mechanism. When I needed to escape or change my mindset, I used drugs and alcohol. So what I needed to do was find a different way to cope. And I found things like journaling, um, gratitude, exercise, um, the healthy diet. You know, one of the, I, I have to admit, one of the hardest things for me is sugar. Because when I quit using, man, that, that's, I, I never, never liked sugar before. I wasn't a big chocolate guy. I wasn't a big sweets. But now it's, it's something, it's one of my new demons i guess you could say but i'm i'm winning the battle so far but uh it was what can I people don't know that you know sweets sugar it it's it hits the same reactionary parts of the brain as alcohol drugs sex it all hits the same neurons yeah. so a lot of times that's why you see a guy when he quits aa i mean drinking he'll be like 140 pounds 3 years later he's like 240 because he's replacing the, the alcohol with the sugar, and now all of a sudden he's eating candy and all this stuff. Because it's it's the same pleasure that that's going on in the brain. It just it just changed to two different things. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the one of the biggest things I learned though was the power of acceptance and forgiveness. Um, I learned not only about that in rehab, but then I learned about that in my coaching. Um, my first coaching course that I took through the Rainer Institute out of Calgary is the power of acceptance, right? Um, accepting what is. And back before when I stopped drinking and I go one, two, three months sober, nine months sober, I would look at somebody else and be like, well, if you can do it, I can do it, right? So when I thought I accepted it, I truly didn't. Now, the thing about acceptance is, is that you must accept it to move past it. Just like, you know, if you had a you know, something happened to you, you know, someone hurt you, you had a bad trauma or experience. The first thing you got to do is accept it. You don't have to like it, but you have to accept it so that you can move on and that you can take your power back from it and then forgive it. Right. So you can create your future and stop living in the past. 
And so for me, I had to accept that Justin, I will never say I can't drink. Justin, you should not drink. And this is why. Because I always kept keep my past in my rear view. And sometimes if I have to, I, I'll look at it as a glance. Be like, that's not where you want to go. This is Justin, the happy Justin, the Justin that has life together, the Justin that's helping people. This is who you are now. Now, if you feel like going backwards, you remember that Justin? Well, that Justin was a destruction. You know, that <laughs> Justin was the storm. And I know how people, there's that quote, it's like, the storm's coming, or the person whispered back, I am the storm. Well, guess what? I was the storm, and nobody wants the storm. This storm ain't good. <laughs> Just, Justin, the storm was no good for nobody. Now I'm Justin, the calmer, the cal calmer wind that helps blow people in the right direction, right? Including myself. So accepting, you know, my past for my past, accepting, you know, that I, I shouldn't use because it will take me back in the metals recycle life was, was a big thing for me. All right. So, you know, let me ask you, because as we're recording this, it's January 9th, 2023. Uh, most people that set resolutions have already blown them. They're already blown out of the water. That's why I don't do, I don't believe in New Year's resolutions, but it's that whole new year, me, new year, new me bullshit. And a lot of people say, you know, well, I'm going to quit drinking and they might've made it this far, but they're struggling. So what do you tell somebody that's, they're on the cusp of going back out again? What are some of the things that they can do today to make sure that they don't go have to go out and relapse? Because relapse does not have to be a part of your recovery. Because I know some people that thought, well, I can go out one more time. And they never made it back. So how do you, what do you say to people that are just getting sober? And how what can they do in, in young sobriety to stay sober? Well, one of the things you can do is don't go out. You don't need to go out. You know, if you, uh, it took me one year before I went to my first party. Um, but if you are going to go out, plan ahead. Go out with people that are not going to peer pressure you into drinking. Let people know beforehand that, hey, you know what? I'm on a sobriety kick, right? So I don't want to be drinking. So please don't offer it to me. And or have an accountability partner with you. Take them with you. That's if you feel like drinking, your accountability partner's going to be like, hey, listen, no, you're not allowed. Or it, the, one of the biggest things is just don't go out yet. You don't need to. Stay at home. You know, watch a movie. You know, write down your goals. Journal about it. Um, get one of the biggest things there is, is a fear of FOMO. Fear of missing out on that great time, right? You know, people romanticize alcohol. Yeah, come have a drink, you know, use a drink to do this or come have a drink. Here's the specials on drinks. People take alcohol and they romanticize it like you need it, right? Remember, alcohol is just like sugar, you know, you don't need it to be happy. All right. So then let me ask you because, um, you know, I, I struggle with post-traumatic stress. Um, now I, I call it post-traumatic growth. From, you know, from military service and from getting hurt and all that stuff. But there's a difference between substance abuse and mental health issues. Because once you take away the alcohol, you still have the mental health issues. So how, what was it like saying, okay, maybe it's not the alcohol. Maybe I have something else going on that I need to get looked at. 
Yeah. You know, you put you put 60 men in a building and you take away their coping mechanism. <laughs> when I first went to rehab, that was quite the eye-opener and realized, like, okay, my mental health, I've been struggling. Where did it stem from? What can I do? So learning that, you know, you're depressed, it was, uh, and that I used, I knew for a very long time that I used alcohol for coping, but a lot of, a lot of depression and that comes from, or a lot of alcohol abuse or substance abuse comes from hiding from something, running from something. You know, I tell people that, I remember telling my counselor that using was better than feeling sometimes. You know, I remember being in my counselor's appointment and I just came off a three-day bender. I was pasty. I was shaking. Um, I was visibly sick. And she's like, Justin, do you like feeling like that? And I looked at her. I'm like, well, you know, for those three days that I blacked out, I didn't know if I was sad. I didn't know if I was depressed. I didn't know if I was unhappy. So, yeah, you know what? I don't mind feeling like this every now and then. But the problem is, is when you choose using over feeling, like you said, it could be the last thing that you, uh, that you ever choose. And John, I just want to thank, thank you for being so open and honest. A lot of people, you know, are afraid to put out there that they're struggling. And if you're struggling, you can reach out to me. You can reach out to Justin. We got your back. We've been there. And, you know, people will see us, you know, they see me a, a number one bestseller, top popular in the world, but I still struggle with stuff because Knowing that I, you know, like my wife can come home, have a bad day. She can pop open, open a, uh, a, a twisted iced tea and enjoy where I know, okay, I, I don't drink. Um, I have to deal with life on life's terms. So when you see guys like me and Justin up here, we still struggle every day. And it's, it's not unicorns and rainbows. We all have our good days and we all have our, our bad days. So we're just like you guys. So I just wanted to put that out there. So Justin, but like I said, um, I love that shirt that you're wearing because I believe if you if you're if you're off mentally, physically, or spiritually, any of the three, all three are going to be off. And I believe that once you get mentally stronger, physically stronger, spiritually stronger, you have to take care of the whole person. So talk about what your shirt says and why it says, you know, what it says. Well, actually, now that I got my coaching certifications and stuff like that, I have a program that I put people through. It's called the Stronger You Project. So I am a life coach, right? And we um, we go over, you know, what you want to create in life, you know, your roadblocks and stuff like that. But I actually have modules that I've learned through rehab, um, through coaching, through life experiences that I put people through to you know, go over their triggers, their procrastination, their self-limiting beliefs and self-confidence. But I call it the self or the stronger you project because we can always become stronger or improve on stuff. And the world is ever changing. Technology, um, medicine, diseases, it's all changing. So we need to change to or not change or you know evolve or adapt. But we need to become stronger versions of ourselves all the time so we can be more resilient, you know, and deal with those things that come up every now and then that are outside of our control. And, um, you know, we just don't know how to deal with. So I call it the Stronger You Project that helps you, you know, pinpoint 
some of those areas that you would like to work on. Now, also, I know that you're, it's Tony Robbins, right? You got your, your, um, Tony's a great guy. I can't wait to have him come on the show. He was the guy that he made a big difference in me a couple years ago when he was like, you know what? You have to change. Stop the excuses. Stop the bullshit. Nobody's coming for you. And I think he's the one that really got me into the personal development. So I love, I love me some Tony. So, okay. My last couple of questions are, um, you know, we're, we, we're living in a world where we're supposed to supposedly max, um, was it toxic masculinity? Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys, a lot of guys don't know where, when they say to be better men, it doesn't mean to be that macho guy that walks around strutting like it's a peacock, you know? And, and I think that we, as men, cause I, I'm a, I'm a man and I believe in God, God and Jesus Christ, my, my Lord and savior. But I leave, I believe that men now should be able to show, you know, that they're regular people. Like oftentimes if I'm wrong, I'll tell my 10 year old daughter, I'm sorry, daddy's wrong. You know, I love you and hug you. I still, and I got two, well, now they're, they're adult boys. My other son just turned 18. I still hug him and I kiss him every day. I tell him that I love him. I think that men, we, 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 we should be able to show that we're strong emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Is What are your thoughts on actually being a man and not, and not just being a macho? And I hate the man up, the man up stigma. Like, hey, man, you got to man up. Well, you know what? 75, I just looked at stats because uh, I'm actually, I'm writing a book right now. It's almost done. And I just wrote about a part of man up because I told myself, Justin, you need to man up. Oh, you're crying. Man up. Oh, you feel sad? Man up. Man up almost took my life. Like when I was working across from people at the mill, I was, my head was so far gone by telling myself to man up in my internal dialogue. And I can't repeat some of the words that I've told myself besides you're pathetic and you're a loser and you need to man up. You're a failure. I forget people's names that are sitting right across from me. And, you know, I did a, um, a mental presentation for a group, a women's group. And they said, this was for a school. And they said, well, we have friends that are really struggling. And they came to us, said they were struggling. And we asked them, what are they going to do? And they said, man up. We're going to man up. Like, what should we say to them? Well, ask them, how was that working for you? By manning up. 75% of men, or 75% of suicides in Canada are men. 75 to 80% of suicides are men. That doesn't mean that women don't um, attempt as much. But unfortunately, men are more... I don't want to say successful, but that's what it is at, you know, ending it. Um, in America, um, I got this from the Heads Up Guys, which is a mental men's mental health support group um, website, headsupguys.org out of Canada, um, based out of Vancouver. Four times men commit suicide four times more than women in the United States. So when you're thinking of telling your friend to man up and keep those, you know, demons inside of them. It's going to eat them up from the inside. It is not manly to keep your emotions buried. You know, it takes courage and strength to ask for help. It takes courage and strength to admit you're wrong. It takes courage and strength 
to accept responsibility for the things that you've done in your past. And by showing your courage and strength and vulnerability, like I did, I finally put my struggles one day on, on social media when I spoke at World Suicide Prevention Day. I've gained so much more respect from people by showing the authentic me than I ever had before by hiding. Yeah, and one thing, you know, like I tell everybody and everybody, if you're watching, you need to get in touch with me. I'm available 24 hours a day, seven days a day. Because I would rather hear your bullshit than your eulogy. Yeah. And there's a lot of guys that'll say, you know, I'll be there for you. I got your six. But when you actually need them, you hear crickets because they're not they're not actually really there for you. And that's one something that I, I I love to do because the more people I help, it helps keep me alive. Because uh, you know, so uh, now, so tell us a little bit about what you got going on. You got your book going on. What you got any speaking events coming up? Yeah, um, just just before that though, I wanted to touch on something. You know, I actually hospitalized myself on January fourth, twenty nineteen. And I only spent the day there because I was able to go back home with my family, but that changed my life. That's my sobriety date. That's the day I asked for help and accepted the help and was able to, you know, I had to say those worlds out loud that I wanted to end it. Right. But by doing that, admitting it, it really changed my life. And I just wanted to give a shout out to you know, a, a friend of mine who, you know, he's, and he says it, all his friends know, but he admitted himself. And he's he's been there for about, you know, three weeks because he knew that asking for help would save, would help save his life and, you know, be a better, better father because he has two kids, better father for it. So, you know, he, if he took control of his life by asking for help, really. So I just wanted to give him a little, if people are thinking, oh, I need to man up, well, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help because then you're not only going to be better for yourself, but for your kids and your partner as well. And, you know, like, like one thing I you know, I've been in recovery 34 years and they always say the heaviest thing to pick up is a telephone, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and so I believe that, you know, if somebody's struggling, the best thing you can do is say, listen, call, call a buddy, call a friend. And if you don't have anybody, you know, dial 988 in the States. It's yeah. a new suicide line. They're available for you, and they're going to pick up the phone and get you help if you need it. So, you know, even if you don't think you have somebody, there's still somebody there. So my last question for you is, how do we find you? How do we support your mission? Uh, so you can find me at www.justinbryan.com. That's my website. Or at justinbryan19 on Instagram, uh, Justin Inspiration on um, TikTok, getting used to TikTok now as well. Um, I always stayed away from it. I didn't really know much about it, but I'm trying to get more active on socials. Uh, but I do have some some speaking engagements coming up. I partnered up with Canadian Mental Health Association, and I go and speak with them. Um, actually, Work BC, which helps uh, unemployable people get jobs, I'm going to work with them. Um, and talk about mental health, but also disabilities, hiring, they have a job fair of hiring people with disabilities. Now, what I didn't know was that, you know, mental health or depression, anxiety, forms of anxiety, if it's bad enough, and ADHD are under Canadian government are actually considered a form of disability. And I never like through all my whole years. And I guess this was the, 
the the tough love justin like oh you have depression i never knew that it was actually classified under disability and so i'm going to partner like forms of it right if it's, it's severely impacting your life um so i'm going to work with them and speak on mental health and disability and actually um my daughter who was born um 16 months ago she has down syndrome and uh, she's been through the ringer, heart surgery, you know, intestinal surgery, colitis, you know, she's the best, one of the best things that's ever happened to us. Um, but I get to talk to people about, you know, hiring people like my daughter in the future and then add the mental health aspect into it as well. And, you know, what I'm, I'm really starting to branch out on is um, speaking to people in trades. Like I've worked up north, like on, on the rigs and spent, you know, weeks away at a camp or you go up there, you spend weeks away from your family working 12 hours a day. You come home, you're, you're in a house by yourself and then you, you might go up for three weeks, come back for a week, but a lot transitioning and talk to Ben on the rigs, the pipelines, you know, mines, stuff like that, because up there, there's a lot of people that they're losing to, you know, suicide and, and overdose because they make a ton of money. And then they're up there by themselves with just their thoughts and their feelings and away from away from their families. Okay, so now, like I said, uh, Justin, I'm just so grateful that we finally got together. I can't wait for your book to come out. We're going to have you back on this way. We're going to push that out to everybody. And guys, uh, like I said, I want to thank our sponsors, especially you, John. If you love coffee, make sure you pick up our coffee. Um, if you if you like to f- get a book. That it, the last two chapters are on what addiction actually looks like and what um, recovery actually looks like. The last two chapters of my book, um, check it out and I'll send you the link. 100% of proceeds go to help people struggling with PTSD and homelessness. And guys, if this show impacted you at all, leave a message for Justin, You know, leave a message for me. If you need help, we will get in touch with you. We're not that guy that says, oh, I got your back and then you hear from him. If you need help, if I can't get you to help and Justin can't get you to help, we'll find somebody to get you to help. Right, Justin? Yeah, you know what I always say? This is one of the things I say in my speech. Speak up, speak out, and speak often. And if there's nobody there to help you, you find someone who will. I love it. So, guys, thank you so much for, for hanging out. It's new year, so don't worry about the new year. New me, become a healthier you and a stronger you today. I love you guys. And um, like my T-shirt says, my other T-shirt I always wear says, today I decide. Those are the three most important words in the English language. Guys, when you when you make it, I love Joel Osteen. And Joel Osteen always says, you can choose to be a victim or you can choose to be the victor. So, guys, it's your choice today whether you want to be a victim or the victor. And I believe that you want to be the victor. And I believe Justin believes the same thing, right? Absolutely. All right, guys. So make sure you check out Justin on all the social media platforms. He's so easy to get in touch with. He's so available. And, guys, I just want to say thank you so much for always supporting me and letting me be a part of your future. And, guys, like I said, vertical momentum. The only way to go is up. Have an amazing week. Justin, brother, I love you. Love you too, boss. Have a great week, brother. You too, my friend.
Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.